Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'll be joined by Donna Moritz, and we're going to talk about visual design for non-designers. Yes, you heard that right. We're going to talk about all the amazing things that you, who are not designers, need to know so you can master visual design so you can thrive on Instagram and anywhere else. You are going to love this episode. Pay careful attention. Lots of amazing apps and ideas will be talked about today. By the way, if you want to reach me, you can tag me on Instagram. I'm Stelzner on Instagram, or you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And before we get started with the interview, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button and join tens of thousands of your fans who listen every single week to this podcast. All right, let's now transition to this week's interview with Donna Moritz. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Donna Moritz. If you don't know who Donna is, she is a visual content strategist. She's the founder of Socially Sorted, and her mission is to help businesses use visual storytelling to get more traffic, views, and sales. Her course is Visual Content Made Easy. Donna, welcome back to the show. Hi, Mike. It's so good to be back on and always lovely to talk to you. I uh, hope it's a little warmer there in California than it is in Australia right now. It's starting to get chilly. Well, that's so cool that you're joining us from, what do they say, across the pond or whatever? Yes. 
across the Pacific. Yes. Yeah. Super awesome to have you. Today, Donna and I are going to explore visual design for non-designers. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun because we're going to talk about design, but we're not going to show anybody design, but you're still going to learn a lot by just listening to Donna. She (laughs) has amazing insight. So my first question, Donna, is why should social marketers care about design? Good question. Well, as a non-designer, and I just want to say that up front, so nobody thinks I'm preaching from above, um, I guess, you know, I could sprout off a lot of stats and quotes about how important visual content is, but I think we kind of get that right now, you know, from GIFs to images to stories and video and all the things. But I think we can kind of assume that your listeners are probably aware of that, given every platform's kind of visual these days, and we hear all these, you know, ever-changing stats about how important it is. But I guess, you know, you talked at uh, Social Media Marketing World about how stories are the on-ramp to video and that, uh, you know, all of these different platforms we're needing to be able to create this content. And I think the thing is that marketers are being required to mobilize quickly and create visual content easily and more than ever before. You know, we're being asked to be visual storytellers without having too much friction. We need to be able to, you know, be quite nimble with creating content. And yet most of us are non-designers. So, you know, we can't always outsource it quickly, even though there's great skilled professionals to do it. We need to sometimes be able to engage with our audience in the moment. So we can't ignore it, yet it's this really overwhelming uh, pressure on us to create visuals. So uh, the other reason I think it's really important is that visual storytelling is what I call a trust catalyst. It really builds trust with our audience. The more they see your videos or your images or your live videos or your visual content, they start to have an affinity with you and your brand, whether that's just seeing your face on a video or the content you create. So if you're spending time with people visually, it sort of helps move that relationship forward. So I really think it's super important that we're able to create it, but that is sort of where the the problems start. You know, how do you do it? Well, and there's also the budget side of it, right? People might not have the money to go out and hire a designer, right? So, yeah. and they're operating off a tight budget. And if there's a way that they could somehow make it look good, but not have to be hiring a designer, that's another big advantage, right? Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm sure we'll get to that. You know, there's lots of uh, tools available that help us with that. But, you know, that's definitely one of the stumbling blocks is the cost and a whole bunch of things like, you know, I guess our perceptions of why we can't be good visual designers, So what's stopping people? What are the struggles that you think are holding back us non-designers from actually doing visual creation, if you will? Cool. So, you know, presuming that we don't have the budget and we maybe want to be able to create visuals quickly or do it in-house, there's sort of three main ones. The first one is the one that gets us with all the content that we need to create, that we don't have enough time. And you know, I guess like with anything, there are ways to make more time uh, or make the time that you have more efficient when creating visual content. The second one is that we feel we don't have any skills because we're not designers, yet we are being encouraged to be designers and being told we need to know all this design terminology and be able to create visuals. But I think, you know, we often can get frustrated by what we perceive as lack of skills and finesse when maybe there's a better way we can learn how to create visuals without having to know all that. And the third one that is actually quite a big one for people is just not really knowing what to post. You know, when they finally do sit down to create something, they've got all the tools and, you know, they know how to use them. They just think, wow, what do I create now that I've got this tools and this time? So they're the three big ones that come up all the time with my community. 
Yeah, I would imagine the no skills thing is probably a huge one for a lot of people. Yeah. Like they don't even know <laughs> the first thing <laughs> about anything related to design. So let's talk about that. Like what do non-designers need to know when it comes to design? Because I would imagine there must be some basic things that we need to keep in mind when we're thinking about design. Yeah. So I sort of have a few rules and sort of I guess, guidelines that I teach now. And this has come from a lot of trial and error. I used to think, you know, as a non-designer teaching non-designers, you need to sort of teach them some of those design things. But in actual fact, it's about pairing it back. So I think that we need to really flip it on its head and stop trying to be designers. You know, the templates and tools are there for a reason and they're getting better and better. So pro designers are doing all the hard work for us. They're creating these amazing templates. And then we're coming along and use an Australian term, we're stuffing them up. (laughs) So it's really about starting with less than is more. Don't design from scratch. In fact, if you're not skilled in any way and you can admit that to yourself, really focus on using templates to start with. The second thing is to stick to the templates or stick to the elements of the template. So, you know, when you're starting to edit a template and one little hack is to use your brand, you know, in these tools that you might be able to bring in your colors and your logos and fonts and things, but don't sort of change everything at once, you know, stick to the main elements. So you might only change um, one or two things at a time. So you might change the colors and the text, or you might change the font to another similar type of font and change the images. But if you start moving all the borders and the structural elements and everything from the design around, you're going to make it look like a bit of a dog's breakfast. So (laughs) never heard that before. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's an Australian and English term. I don't, do you guys use that term? I've never heard that before, but I think it's really cool. I get it. It's a mess, Yeah, I have a very hairy dog (laughs) and it's not a clean process (laughs) when he eats breakfast. And then just really sticking to switching one or two things at a time. So just choose one or two things, change them, have a look, and then go further if you think you're not going to, you know, cause fontageddon or crimes against design. (laughs) And then I guess same for same is the other one. So if you're changing out a font, don't change a bold font on the template to a, a handwriting font cursor for handwriting font to a big bold font, sort of switch it to something similar and a similar size. So that brings me to the last one, which is size matters. So if you're changing out an image on a template, use a similar size image. Or if the image has a lot of white space in it, choose another image with a lot of white space. So it's really about working with the designs versus just trying to do everything from scratch. And the funny thing is when you start doing it this way, you can be so efficient create something that looks pro quality that doesn't just look like it came straight out of one of the DIY design tools and probably do it in less time than it would take to email your designer. (laughs) And I'm not saying don't have your designers anymore, but maybe use this for your social content, you know, that that content you need to be able to create really quickly. Okay. So what I heard you say is don't design from scratch. So don't open up like Adobe Illustrator or Photoshop and just expect yeah. you're going to be able to create something. <laughs> Stick with the elements of the template and we're going to come back to what where we can get these templates. Yeah. Switch one or two design elements at a time instead of yeah. lots of them. Same for same, right? Which is like, if you have a, a really bold font for a headline, then stick with another bold font for the headline. Yeah. And another one is if you've got, say that template, Uh, And this applies to video templates too. A lot of the tools have templates for doing short social videos. If this template has like, say, two major colors, 
again, just switching to two colors, don't switch to five colors. So the same for same applies to quite a few different. And I'm going to add my own little thing in here because I used to own a creative agency and I've been art director for a long time. Contrast is really important that I think a lot of people overlook. And um, the key thing with contrast is when you put text on top of a color, you want to make sure that it pops that it that there's yes. some contrast so if there's a dark background then you need a light colored font if it's yes, a light definitely. background then you need a dark colored font the goal here is to create that variance in color so that yep. the eye knows where to go right do you want to add anything to that definitely and this is a really good example so you're sitting on the other side of the world right so as someone that's got a design background and i sort of have a fair amount of knowledge of design but i choose to sort of look through the lens of a non-designer and that contrast thing is really important so if you're looking at this model of how to approach your visual content creation the designer would presumably have already got that contrast on the template so it might already have a dark background with a light font when you change the color, all of a sudden it messes things up, right? Yeah. So you would still try to stick same for same. So again, thinking about if this is a light color, I stick with a light color. If it's a dark background, I stick with a dark background. So you're absolutely right. And it's just a matter of looking at the template and breaking it down to, am I changing this to something completely different or am I kind of sticking to the similar way that it's been set up? So that's a really good point. You know, a lot of these rules can work on any type of element, can be color, can be the icons on the design. It can be the images. It's just really about trying to stick to same for same or stick to the elements as much as you can. Now, okay. A lot of people are probably like, okay, uh, templates, where do I find templates? Do we, uh-huh. Are there templates for like a, Adobe products or do we need to use special products? Like where do we get these templates? I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. Yeah. So There are great templates in Adobe products. I know people like Jeff C use those, you know, when he presents on visual storytelling and a lot of people do use Adobe products, but I find that generally the non-designers out there that are just trying to get a handle on this, especially in the early days, will go for the newer DIY design tools we've had in the last few years. I danced a jig of joy when we first discovered tools like PicMonkey and then Canva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I had, I guess, dabbled with Photoshop and InDesign and just never done it well. You know, I I needed a full training. And so those tools really made it easy for us to do visual content. So I think most of them now have amazing templates. You know, Canva obviously has thousands of templates. Another one in Australia is Easel, E-A-S-I-L. There's uh, another tool that's mainly on mobile, which is Over. O-V-E-R. However, they've just released a desktop tool with templates. And then if you move into video tools, you've got tools like Animoto, Wave.video, Biteable. Is PicMonkey still around or are they not around anymore? Yes. And funnily enough, PicMonkey has completely moved. It was more of an image editing tool. It was one of the first tools we could, you know, text on images and edit photos in cool ways without using Photoshop, but they actually have a full um, system that's similar to Canva where you can go in and get templates and they have a lot of fun tools like you can create the sticker effect that you see all over YouTube. You can remove background images like you can move images, uh, the background from images like you can in in Canva and Easel and some of the other tools. So PicMonkey is a solid tool for people, especially if you're doing a lot of photo editing. So all of these tools have really good templates. They have 
good designers and they're creating a lot of content daily. Over has great templates on their free account as well. So there's no shortage of tools with templates that we can go in and use. And it's really a matter of trying one, do a free trial, see which one resonates with you the most. You maybe only need one. A lot of people have one or two that they work between. There's other tools that allow you to do little animations like uh, Crello and um, Spark, Adobe Spark. That's another one that works between desktop and mobile. So we have no shortage of, shortage of tools. Yeah, there's a bazillion little mobile apps out yeah. there too, right? For your phone. Yeah, that mobile can, apps, that can, definitely. Now, did you say Crello earlier? I just want to make sure I got Crello, this. Crello, yes. Yeah. Okay, got so it. So even if you want to make little animations, a good series of tools that do that is... Uh, Adobe Spark, you can animate images. Easel allows you to animate and create little GIF type images. Canva has an animator. Crello has pre-animated uh, elements that you can put into designs. So really, you know, if, if you're working from templates, there's no shortage of inspiration. And if you are a little bit more design inclined, you can start to play a bit and create from scratch. Do a lot of these tools, uh, are they shaped appropriately for like Instagram story versus like Instagram feed and they just kind of know all the right dimensions and you don't have to worry about that stuff? Yeah, most of them are pretty on the ball. They are constantly keeping up with that, you know, and, and they're actually now starting to, you know, so you've got all your Instagram stories and your IGTV and your Instagram posts and infographics and all the different Pinterest sizes, you know, tall and the shorter ones. And basically... They're actually keeping an eye on that much more quickly than they used to. A lot of the tools will see a new Instagram, maybe a new Instagram sticker comes out and they'll create templates that you can use the question sticker on or the poll sticker on mm. that allows some space for you to add those elements. So, yeah, it's better than it has ever been. It's getting better all the time. And a lot of the images you can resize between different sizes for social media, usually on a paid account. Right. I would recommend having a paid account on at least one of these tools. You know, it, it just gives you more functionality. What's the range of pricing for these kinds of tools? Is it like really inexpensive or is it pretty costly? Usually it ranges from about, in US dollars, about $7.50 a month up to, you know, you might get up to 15 or so. Most of the Canvas, like Easel is one of the lowest price ones. You got Canva about I think they're $12.95 and obviously these prices might change and it depends whether you're paying annually. You can get good savings if you pay annually and often they'll have deals at certain times of the year so keep an eye out for those as well but most of them are sort of fairly affordable at that monthly level and you can save money if you pay annually. Very cool. Okay, so, so far we've talked about kind of what you need to know if you're not a designer to just kind of not mess too much with the templates. Yep. So is there any other things on the tools side of things that we should be talking about? Because you did mention one of the other big problems is people don't have time, right? So do some of these tools yep. speed that up a little bit? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, a lot of the tools have not only things like instructions for how to use them well. Uh, I just want to highlight one tool in, in particular before I jump into some of those tips for ideas. There's a good example of a company that's doing this well is a little app called LifeLapse. And I really love LifeLaps because I don't know if you've noticed, but stop motion video has become really popular on Instagram. It's almost like the old Wallace and Gromit uh, mm. movies that would just, you know, you take a, an image at a time and turn it into a movie. 
And they have a lot of tutorials built into their app. And on Instagram, you'll notice a lot of the other image-based tools like Canva, Easel, PicMonkey, all of those they have over has really good tutorials. So they have like these, you know, little academies or, or training tutorials or blogs that help you out. But on top of that, they actually, there are ideas in the templates. So if you're looking at templates, you can look under themes or seasonal templates to find ideas. A lot of them have calendars that you can go to where you can find ideas for different days of the week or, you know, days of the whole year. You know, so there's a lot of ideas in that sense when you go into the actual tools. So, you know, you can usually find content in that way. So let me ask you this question. When you're going into these tools, because, you know, we talked about there's three big problems, no time, no skills, need ideas. We talked about the no skills stuff, right? With all these cool tools, but what about the time side of it? Like how easy are they to use and how fast can you go from literally design to maybe scheduling? I think, you know, once you use some of those elements I discussed or the rules for designing, you're just going in and finding one you like and converting it to something that is on brand with your colors or your fonts or your messaging. So often you're just changing the messaging. It's just a few quick changes to be able to create an image. If you want to do it more on brand, then that can take a little longer. You might have to, you know, be using your brand kit and convert it completely. There's a few things you can do that will really help with time with creating images. Like I find that I call it sort of Batch, binge, boomerang are three things that can be really powerful with creating visual content. So it starts with that time concept. You know, we talk about if you're creating something, not to do context switching where you're sort of doing two tasks in an hour, you lose 30 minutes. You don't sort of split it between two tasks, 30 minutes each. You're losing 10 minutes out of the hour if you're switching. So I always recommend to try and batch your content. So if you're sitting down and creating images, you know, do one image and then switch it out to, an. you know, say you're doing a quote image copy it and then do another quote and then another one and another one. So if you're batching your content in one hit, you're going to be more efficient. So let's say hypothetically you had a guest on a podcast, right? Yes. And there are some really cool quotes that came from Donna, right? And somebody was going through the uh, transcript and pulling these best quotes, right? And then if you had a template that you already kind of liked with one of these tools, it's just a matter of probably popping in Donna's photo, right? And then putting the quotes in there and then boom, 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 create three or four quotes. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. And when I look for these tools, I look for ones that have good folder systems that allow you to create your own templates, possibly, you know, have multi-page designs. Most of them do. So you can create your own templates that you can reuse over and over again. So you're saving time in that sense too. So you can batch anything, your blog, like your core content, like your blog, your video, your podcast, obviously, but also social media images, infographics, GIFs, whatever you're focused on. So it's about, you know, blocking out time and doing it more efficiently. And the other thing is when you're batching, to be aware of, you know, if you haven't been living under a rock, you'll know that we're living in a Netflix era. You know, it's an era of serialized episodic content. And if we can get people saying just one more episode or just one more IGTV or just want to swipe through some more videos on this playlist, that's very powerful. So when you're creating content and batching it for your podcast or whatever it is, just think about how you can create content in playlists or in seasonal content or serialized content. And that applies not just to your podcast, but also to an image series so are you talking about like when you're on Instagram and you're scrolling and you see yeah. those little dots and you can scroll to the left? Is that what you're talking about? 
Yes, you got two types of serialized content on Instagram. Well, there's a few. You can keep watching Instagram stories. IGTV will keep you watching as well. And the little dots you're talking about are the story highlights. Is that what you're referring to? No, I'm actually referring to the feed where you upload a bunch of pictures. You know what I mean? In the feed and they're kind of like in order. You know how when you're scrolling through the Instagram feed, you can have, I think they call it a carousel or something like oh, that. Oh, carousel post. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So that's another one. And actually, that's quite powerful for engagement at the moment. You'll see a lot of heavy Instagram users are doing a lot of, I know Subi Zimmerman does a lot of uh, carousel posts at the moment, and that could change at any time. But at the moment, they are working quite well, you know, and, and I always talk about the idea of touch points. So the more people are, I guess, engaging or touching your content on Instagram, the more Instagram knows that people are engaging with your content and you're more likely to have it seen. So posts like that that have uh, serialized content are quite good and it also can be used for how-tos or explaining something, reviewing something, you know, introducing a launch. There's lots of ways you can do it. But you can think about doing multi-images or multiple sort of step posts for a lot of different platforms. And we all know that there's playlists everywhere, Instagram TV, story highlights, Facebook Watch, YouTube. So just think in that sense. And I would imagine once you use your non-design skills that you're learning here to design some (laughs) templates and store them, then you could get someone else to just populate in the information and export out all the images, right? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you can work with a designer to get templates made in the tools that you use. So, you know, there are designers that work in Canva or whatever these tools are, and you can ask them to create templates that you can then access and and edit, or they can just create a background that you can upload into there. So that can be a fast way to do it. Where do we find designers? Do you have any sense of where you can find someone to do template design? Usually, you know, they're, they're in Facebook groups, you know, they're sometimes in the groups to do with the tools. You know, you'll find designers in, you know, say one of those tools that I mentioned has a Facebook group or community. Uh, Often there'll be designers there. You can reach out as long as the rules allow it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just talk to your designer. A lot of them, you know, are starting to come around to the idea of, uh, because a lot of these tools also have Teams functionality like Easel and Facebook, um, even PicMonkey. I'm not sure about Adobe. It does where you can actually work in Teams and collaborate on contents. And a lot of them love it because they get to create content that can be locked down and remain on brand in you know if there's a locking functionality and they can also you know the, the non-designers can work with content without worrying about messing it up so a lot of designers are getting more familiar with with these types of tools so you talked about batch and bridge and boomerang talk about what the bridge and the boomerang is oh so binge binge as oh, in binge. binge okay got it got yeah okay. batch binge and boomerang so binging is you know netflix <laughs> you want to think about how you can get people to binge on your content all right So it's just about reversing that idea and creating content that can be consumed in serial nature. And the third one is boomerang is really just my Aussie way of talking about repurposing. (laughs) So repurposing with a purpose. So I like to think that every piece of content I create, what are at least two or three ways that you can use it again? So you're getting value back for that piece of content as well as giving value to your audience. So it might be that you're going to resize that image to two or three other sizes or turn it into a template. It might be that you take an infographic and turn it into slides or a slides into an infographic or images to a video. You can you know, turn images into a, a video quite easily these days or it might be uh, using a tool like Headliner. I, I'm sure you're familiar with that one, having a podcast. Yeah, I actually think we might be using it. Tell everybody what that does real quick. So it basically takes any audio and turns it into a video. They have different ways of doing that. You can have like the the speech um, 
what do you call it? The yeah, speech. the little speech meter or something where it shows. Yeah, like I don't the, even know what the name yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Where speech, it shows like the little <laughs> the little lines going up and down and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I know. There's a word. <laughs> uh, it comes up on the screen, or you can have words come up on the screen, and they have a lot of templates to allow you to really easily create some pretty funky uh, videos. And then they can be shared on social media. So they're great for promoting podcasts. Or even if you're someone that doesn't like to be on camera, you can do audio, how-to tips or whatever you like to do. And I think they have a pretty good deal where it's like on the free plan, you get up to 10 videos or something. It's pretty good. Question for you real quick on systems. I would imagine if you're using a lot of different tools, you're going to have to have a pretty good system to manage everything, right? Because all these tools do something different necessarily from all the other tools. Yes. Do some of these tools include pretty sophisticated like approval processes and management or do you suggest layering on things like Asana or Trello or something like that? What's your thoughts on that? I mean, to be super efficient, you probably would use a system like Asana or Trello or um, Monday or something like that if you have a team. The things I look for in a really good visual content tool is that they have a good folder system for, you know, filing images as well as your designs, that they have access to some sort of elements you can use, whether it's icons or photos, that sort of thing, that they have really, it's just easy to use. And the new thing, and I'm really glad you brought this up, is that I look for them to have some Teams functionality. And and that works even for solo operators that are working with a virtual assistant or bigger teams. So, Canva has Canva for enterprise. Easel has their plus level that has Teams functionality. And a lot of these tools are starting to have approvals processes. So a designer can make sure that the users are getting, I guess, anything that's really fully branded approved before it's sent out. There's some pretty cool locking functions that are happening in some of the tools like Easel and Canva that allow you to lock down particular elements of a template. So if you are working with a brand where you need to protect your brand integrity and make sure that the right logos and fonts are used or that people can't just move elements. So if you really want to have the, you know, be a bit stricter about how you use those rules I mentioned, you can actually do that with these tools now. So they are usually on a paid account. I know Canva for Enterprise is a bit more expensive. You can get it on Easel. PicMonkey has some Oh, sorry, Easel is on their base account, like their plus account. So that's really good. And then I think tools like PicMonkey and Adobe Spark, I think, have collaboration functionality. They're all kind of developing this. And I think that it's really exciting because it's just changed the game for teams to work very efficiently, maybe have an in-house designer or outsource, but it just means that, you know, everything's in the one place and it can be a game changer if you're trying to be efficient with visual storytelling, especially as a brand. What I love is we do a lot of video work at Social Media Examiner and we use Vimeo. And what I love about Vimeo is they have a review feature where you can click anywhere on the video and then you can add a comment thread off to the side. And I'm wondering whether these tools have that kind of thing where you could click somewhere on the design and then a comment could be off to the side so that somebody knows, okay, this font right here is the wrong size. I mean, do they do that kind of stuff? Is that coming to these tools? Yeah, it's either coming or it's in most of them. Sweet. And it's just in varying formats. Like I know PicMonkey has like a live collaboration thing where you can sort of almost chat live on on images. I haven't used it, but I know that they have it. Uh, Canva has uh, chat functionality. Easel has approvals processes. They all have varying levels of this. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to see more and more of this functionality come out. And I'm really at the point where I think that it's required for these visual tools if you're working in a team 
and we're working on a tourism project at the moment in Australia where we're setting up templates for a local tourism organisation so that they can actually use those templates and also share them with their operators and be able to control, you know, what part of the brand is used and also, you know, create example templates for their operators to use. At this time, it's really important that they're able to think differently about their marketing and have lots of ideas. So I think these tools are really, really powerful. It's very exciting. And, you know, I just love seeing them roll out these new functions all the time. Every, you know, just month by month, there's new features coming out. What about scheduling? I know that at least it used to be in the case with Instagram, you couldn't do any scheduling very easily. But I'm sure with Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, it's probably less of an issue. But do a lot of these tools do scheduling or do they rely on you exporting the images and figuring out what to do with them, generally speaking? Yeah, it's a bit of a mix and match. Like some of them have scheduling tools, some are developing them. So I think, you know, and also I would probably emphasize that it is good to be able to schedule from these tools. But if you're working smart, you probably should be still creating content that you can, you know, it's not a big deal to schedule ahead into another tool. So I think we'll probably see that most of them will end up having some form of scheduling tool, whether they're as robust as, you know, some of the other tools that are specifically designed for that will be interesting to see. And some of those tools are starting to have more integrations back in with these design tools as well. So all the scheduling tools that we know, some of them have, I know Canva had a button. I don't think that's being used as much anymore, but that, you know, that there is that functionality where they can have the links between the two tools, but definitely they are developing scheduling tools. Anything else on time before we talk about ideas? No, I think I just, you know, I want to just remind people that as non-designers, we tend to try and do too many things at once. You know, I share the story of when I was a kid, I went tadpoling and carried a bucket of tadpoles on my bike thinking I could balance it, you know, and, and, <laughs> and a very long incline or, you know, a road that just gradually got a lot of speed up and it didn't end well. So the bike in the bucket and the tadpoles flew through the air and always use that analogy of the bike in the bucket. You know, we're non-designers. We don't really need to be doing everything. Just try and find the smartest way to create visual content. If you try and do everything, sometimes tadpoles fly through the air. I love that analogy. Well, let's talk about ideas like, you know, we've really addressed very, very adequately the tools and how to do this if you don't have a lot of skills or time. But I'm sure a lot of people are like, I got no idea where in the world I'm going to come up with ideas. So what do you want to say about that? How can people get creative with ideas for creating visual design elements? Sure. So, I mean, these tools have a lot of great ideas just within the templates. So, you know, go and search in the templates under different uh, categories, under your industry, under seasonal content, and you'll get a bucket load of ideas. Then definitely uh, look at, you know, if they've got content calendars that you can go to. I mentioned that before. You can also be guided by your community. Look at what they're sharing when they're tagging you and you can... Always go to things like, you know, behind the scenes. People love to see the people behind your business. So especially, you know, when times are tough with marketing, that's we seem to gravitate to what, you know, we want to see, hear from people. So definitely, you know, go to those sorts of things. And I think one of the biggest things we often miss is just tapping into our community. You don't always have to come up with all the ideas yourself. Ask them. Ask them what they like from you. And look at what they're sharing. And and don't forget that you're not the only marketer on your team. Your marketing team is 
probably hiding in plain sight and it's bigger than you know. So it's not just you, it's your employees, it's your clients, it's your customers, it's your partners and your suppliers. And, you know, think about is there a person on your team that loves creating stories? Can you get them to do more for your business if they're doing it personally? Look for those low-hanging fruit opportunities where you can share content that's out there already. So, you know, asking your audience or your customers to tag you in their stories. And so then you can immediately share that Instagram story or Facebook story. Make sure, you know, that you're giving them tools to share content and share your, you know, it really is a shared brand story. So things like hashtags, making sure they know the hashtags for your content across platforms or your business, using location, location stickers, that sort of thing to reach people. And also things like giving them tools to be able to share stories. So you can do things like uh, share gifts. I know when we were at Social Media Marketing World, we did some gifts to just demonstrate to my audience how easy it is to encourage them to share the story about the conference. So we created some fun gifts that they could share. And it had, they literally had like, I don't know, it was something like 400,000 views between the ones that we did with your logo and the ones that I just did that were more generic about visual design. And on that note, if you do want to share something about where you're listening to this podcast, I mentioned it to Mike, there are some fun DIY design uh, gifts that I've created. If you just go to your Instagram stories, and they work on Facebook stories as well, and search for hashtag DIY design or design with Donna, and you can share where you're listening to the podcast. (laughs) And by the way, I want to encourage people to do that because one of the things that I find absolutely fascinating is all the creative ways people have shared how they listen to this podcast. And I want to encourage people to tag uh, both Donna and myself. So tag me. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. And you might already know that because I always mention that at the start of the show. Donna is socially sorted on Instagram. And just put the hashtag DIY design. Is that what you're encouraging? So you just, to find the gift to add to your story, so I've got some fun gifts, like one of them is I'm a kick button on designer or DIY design hacks or whatever. You post your photo or your image and you search on the gift stickers. When you go into gift stickers, search for the hashtag DIY design or design with Donna and they should pop up. Sweet. I would love to see everybody uh, get creative here because honestly, I mean, like you all are super creative and I know a lot of the people that are doing this are not designers because I check out your profiles (laughs) and it's really cool. You know, one of the things you were talking about is I love the idea of like looking at what the community is doing. I mean, it's kind of interesting to think that there are creative people all around us. We're just not looking. I mean, so many of us who are marketers are just our head is stuck in our monitor and we're just thinking about the next project we need to get done. And we're not actually out there like looking at some of the creative things that people in the community are doing. And it's kind of really cool. And I would imagine you could just private message these people and say, Hey, how'd you do that? Right. Yeah. And you know, like I think the thing is we, we all talk about the idea of user generated content and it's super powerful. You know, like I think people want to see content, like that versus just content that's branded. But you can sort of reverse the idea of sharing content about you too. You can share content that they're sharing, you know, share it back. And that's why things like the Instagram stories shares are really great because then if they go and tag you or social media examiner on that post, your team can then immediately share that post into your stories. So, some of these things are great and definitely just, yeah, looking what your consumers and your customers are doing, talk to them, ask them what they like, 
they're more likely to get involved, you know, if you involve them and make them the hero of the storytelling, as we all know, than if we're just blasting content at them. So I call it the idea of giving them the tools to tell your shared brand story. You know, there's probably diehard fans out there that love your business or your cafe or your online company or whatever it is that when you say to them, hey, we've got these gifts or, you know, we've got this new hashtag or whatever it is, they love it. They're going to, you know, it gives them some tools. It gives them some um, ideas and they, and then you can just watch their creativity go to town. Awesome. All right, everybody, pull out your phone, take a picture <laughs> of where you're listening to this podcast and put it into your stories and uh, click on gifts and then search for hashtag DIY design to find some of those cool stickers if you want to put those on there and tag socially sorted, which is Donna and Stelzner, which is me. And um, I will share some of those stories into the feed. And if you want to tag SM Examiner, we might also share them on the Social Media Examiner Instagram account, which which has a lot more followers than I do for the record. Yeah. I mean, if you ever want, I do have a branded Giphy account. Hashtag socially sorted is where I find them. But it is a really great way if you can get a branded account because the hashtags still show up pretty quickly, no matter which hashtag you choose. So it's just a hot tip for brands if you're considering it. I know tourism is starting to come onto that idea and uh, yeah, it's really fun. And on that note, I'll probably have to do one. I'm just back into the swimming pool here and I told Mike the other day that I actually listened to podcasts on my waterproof Sony Walkman, including this one. (laughs) I think uh, Donna is the first person who's ever been underwater or in the water listening. I've had people in canoes. I've had people on aircraft carriers, but I've never had anybody swimming that I'm aware of. So if you happen to be one of those people swimming, (laughs) tag us for sure. Donna, this has been amazing. If people want to discover more about you, where would you want to send them? Sure. So my blog is sociallysorted.com.au. So socially, S-O-R-T-E-D.com.au. It's one of those Australian addresses. And I have a page that I'll get Mike to add in the show notes just for the listeners of your podcast. So it's sociallysorted.com.au forward slash listen. And I've just got uh, any latest training that we're doing, as well as, you know, just some cool downloads that you can get for boosting your visual storytelling, the Facebook group that we have called Visual Contents Creators. And uh, yeah, just a good portal to find me basically. So that's my blog and I'm at Socially Sorted on Instagram. So I'll look forward to seeing what you guys create. Donna Moritz, thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom and insights. It was awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. That was fun. And if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 414. 414. Yeah, it sounds like you're dialing for help, but trust me, we help you. Socialmediaexaminer.com slash 414. 414. I'm not even going to edit that out because I'm human and I make mistakes. Hey, if you're new to the show, hit the subscribe button. And if you've been a long time listener, would you do us a favor? Do me a favor. Let your friends know about this show. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your fast-talking host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.